Hey, this is Joe Caminetti Jr. Welcome to the BC Podcast. We hope it inspires you and helps you in your journey with Jesus. Enjoy the message. All right, well, hey, we wanna welcome everybody that is joining from everywhere. We're so excited to have you with us this morning here at Believer's Church. I have the privilege of continuing in this series called There Is Still Hope, and it's gonna be such a great time. And I wanna start by asking you a question. Have you ever lost something that was really, really important? Like I'm talking something that was super valuable, your palms start to sweat, your mind starts to race, you start to retrace your steps and you can't figure out where you put it. And uh, just confession time, I don't know what it is about my brain, it's probably because I'm a genius, that's what I'm gonna go with, it's because I'm a genius. I lose, I lose stuff that's important all the time, like way more than I would care to admit. I think I lose my keys about eight times a week and uh, I wish I were joking, I just wish that was a joke, but it's because I'm a genius and so, um, <laughs> Sometimes I'll wake up and I'll look for my keys and when I walk out the door, I'll see that they're still in the doorknob. Anybody ever do that? Oh my goodness, it's a miracle that we're not robbed on a weekly basis, but safe neighborhood. So it's just, it's frightening. Have, have you ever lost, have you ever lost this? Oh, the sheer unadulterated panic that sets in when you lose your phone. You ever lost your phone and then realize you've been holding your phone for 15 minutes while you're looking for your phone? Is there anything worse than losing your phone? Like maybe a kid, but it's close. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's a joke, it's a joke, kind of, okay. No, but we've all lost something that's important to us. And a few, few weeks ago, about a month ago now, uh, we got to do this really cool thing. It was the first time we got to do it as a family. We got to go on a vacation with my wife's side of the family. And every time that we see them, it's usually uh, in their hometowns, which are kind of near Columbus, and it's usually for a holiday. But this time, we actually got to go to the beach together. It was so much fun. And so we were spending a lot of time in the water, and right around that time, there was a hurricane blowing in on the Gulf a couple of hundred miles away to the west of us. And so the surf was really rough, and we were hanging out in the ocean, and my brother-in-law, Malcolm, he wears glasses like I do, and if he doesn't have his glasses on, he's in trouble. He didn't wanna wear contacts in the ocean, so he's just knee-deep in the water. And out of nowhere comes this rogue wave. It knocks against him, and his glasses come flying off, and they fall into the ocean. And anybody that wears glasses, you know how horrible that is to lose your glasses, let alone on vacation. And so he starts to panic and he's sifting through the sand and he can't find them. And, and he's determined, I have lost my glasses. I'm gonna go have to spend $500 at Lens Crafters to get a pair while I'm on vacation. And my niece Haley, his daughter, she springs into action and she's like, no dad, we can find your glasses. And so she rallies all of us together and it's almost like a search party, you know, where they have them in the rows. I mean, we had our whole family just scouring the ocean, going up and down and up and down and the waves are crashing against us and we haven't found anything. And we are making a fool of ourselves. We are making a scene on the beach, but we don't even care because we've lost Malcolm's glasses and he needs them really bad. Well, we were just about to hang it up. We were just about to call off the search. And Haley says, I think I see something. And she dives into the water and she comes back up and she's like, I couldn't find it. The wave pushed it away, but she dives in again. And on the second time she emerges with her dad's lost glasses. And you would have thought we found buried treasure. I mean, we went berserk. We threw a party on the beach because... Malcolm's glasses that were once lost had now been found. Malcolm was once blind, but now he could see. Come on, somebody. 
And this reminded me so much of a story that Jesus told. And I wanna read this with you. This is Luke chapter 15, one through three. By this time, a lot of men and women, I like this, of doubtful reputation, to say it politely, were hanging around Jesus. And I like this, it says they were listening intently. People who were nothing like Jesus liked Jesus. That's what was so brilliant about him. Now, not everybody liked Jesus. Let's read on. The Pharisees and religion scholars were not pleased, not at all pleased. They growled. He takes in sinners and he eats meals with them, treating them like old friends, as if that's something to be ashamed of, right? And their grumbling triggered this story. Jesus says, suppose one of you had a hundred sheep and lost one. Wouldn't you leave the 99 in the wilderness and go after the lost one until you found it? And when found, you can be sure you would put it across your shoulders, rejoicing. And when you got home, call your neighbors and your friends saying, celebrate with me, partying like we were on the beach that day. I've found my lost sheep. And Jesus says, count on it. There's more joy in heaven over one sinner's rescued life than over 99 good people in no need of rescue. Every time I read this story, one thing stands out. Man, Jesus really loves lost people. He just really loves them. And I just start to think about the way that God operates in our life. And I'm so thankful that we serve a savior that says 99 is not enough. I'm coming after the one. And in Luke chapter 19, Jesus says, I didn't come for the healthy. I came for the sick. And then he makes this pretty amazing statement. He says, I came to seek and to save, what? That which was lost. Erwin McManus puts it so beautifully when he tries to differentiate Christianity from every other religion. And by the way, if you're here today, maybe you saw one of our billboards around town or you clicked on our service online and you're just kind of exploring and you're wanting to know what's different about Christianity, let me sum it up for you in one sentence. Erwin McManus says that every other religion requires people to do something to get to God, but Christianity is the only religion where God did something to get to people. He's seeking to save the lost, and he'll do anything to make that happen because Jesus loves lost people. That's the heart of the gospel. And so in this series called There Is Still Hope, today I wanna do something. Here's my assignment this morning at every location, online, wherever you're watching, right now or in the future. I wanna get you excited about getting to participate in the only thing you can't do in heaven, which is sharing the hope that you have. Because once we know hope, we're called to show hope. That's the title of my message today, Know Hope and Show Hope. We wanna share the hope that we have. And unless you think that our work is done and everybody's heard the gospel because we've got live stream and broadcasts and, and satellites pumping that out to every nation in the world, listen to this statistic, it's pretty sobering. Did you know that 2.2 billion people in the world are considered unreached by the gospel right now in 2020? It means we got our work cut out for us, folks. There's still more people in our neighborhoods and at our school and on the job that need the hope that we have. So I wanna just answer the question today, how do I share hope? How do, how do I share hope? If I have come to know the hope that can only come from Jesus, how do I show that hope? And I wanna give you some handles on how to do that. And let's jump right in. Here's the first thing you gotta know if you wanna show hope. My faith is personal, but it's not private. My faith is personal, but it's not private. 
Let me buy a show of hands uh, in this room and in, in Boardman and in all of our locations. If you're married, can you just wave at me if you're married? Okay, if, if you're married online, just put the heart emoji, earn some bonus points. Give your spouse a hug if you're watching from home. Give them a kiss if you want. Pastor Joe said so. All right, so if, if you're married, I know you. Now, who wants to be married? Let's be real. You want to be married? Wave your hands. Okay, keep those hands up. I want you to gauge the room real quick. I'm just trying. Maybe there's a love connection that could happen right here. You can thank me later. They call me the matchmaker. I don't, I don't know. Man, first service does it to me. I love preaching to you guys. Okay, so let, let me just, I want to set the scene. Let's just imagine, and, and for the married folks, you don't have to imagine hard because it's true. Let's just imagine that you're married to the most amazing spouse in the world. They're attractive, they're beautiful, they're handsome, they're smart, they're funny, they're creative, everything you could ever want in a spouse. Well, what if I was to come to my spouse and I said something like, hey, baby, I love you with all of my heart. As a matter of fact, I love you so much that I only want to see you one day a week. I don't, I don't want to get too familiar with each other. I want it to be special every time we see each other. So I only want to see you one day a week. Now, when we see each other on that one day, it's probably going to be for about an hour. I've got some other things in my schedule. I've got some things. My schedule fills up really fast. I'll pencil you in. I for sure can see you for an hour, maybe two. And, and listen, what if they said, let's just top it off with this. What if they said, hey, I love you so much. I just don't want anybody else to know about our relationship. Our relationship is private. It's just between you and me. Our love is too good to share with anybody else, you know? Like, what if they came to you and they said that? How would that go? Would it go well or would it go bad? Would you be on the couch for all of eternity, yes or no? <laughs> now, I want you to think about this. Obviously, we know the answer to that. It always reminds me of Elf. Remember when Elf, he, he falls in love with the girl and then he says, I'm in love, I'm in love, and I don't care who knows it. How many of y'all, be honest, have watched Elf already? It's like October 1st, you're watching, all right, oh my goodness pray for you after the service. We watched it too. Okay, anyways. Now I want to ask you a question. Let's connect the dots here. How many of us do this with Jesus? Remember, we're the bride of Christ. How many of us relegate our relationship with Jesus to one day a week? And it might not even be the entire day. And the evidence of that relationship never makes its way into any of the other relationships. And if you were to ask the people at our job or in our family, do they know Jesus? They wouldn't see any evidence that we're in a relationship with him. And here's, here's the challenge. We live in a culture that kind of cultivate, cultivates this way of thinking. And so many of us have grown up in an America where politicians famously say, my faith is a private issue. I don't even want to talk about it. Then we have the separation of church and state. So entire generations have grown up with this idea, and here's the result. This is one of many statistics I could show you, but Barna Research did this study, and they were polling millennial Christians, and they were asking them about sharing their faith, what we're talking about today. And did you know that 47% of Christian millennials believe that evangelism is wrong? Not scary, not that it makes them uncomfortable, they say is wrong. So I don't say that to disparage millennials. I am one. I think there are so many millennials that love people and love God. I think it could be because they've seen evangelism misused or abused. I think it'd be, it could be because they haven't seen it demonstrated in a loving way, the way Jesus modeled. But I also think it could be rooted in the fact that they are buying into the false idea that my faith is private. And I want you to hear this. 
Our faith was always meant to be personal, but it was never meant to be private. And so I'll give you an example. This is Matthew chapter four, verse 19. Jesus speaking to the disciples. He says, come, follow me. I'll show you how to fish for people. And right away, they left their nets and followed him. So let's get really basic here. If we want to define what a follower of Jesus is, followers fish. Followers are fishermen. So let's reverse, let's reverse this idea here. If you want to do an analysis of how well you are following Jesus, if you are a fully committed disciple of Christ, the evidence would have to be that you are focused on fishing for people that are far away from God. And if you're not, I'm not trying to discourage you. I want this to encourage you. There was another study done by Gallup and Lifeway together. And one of the things that they discovered is that 95% of Christians never lead another person to Jesus. Nine out of 10 of them never even give it a shot, like never even try. And so I don't think it's because Christians don't want to lead people to Jesus. I think it's because they don't know how. And so I just wanna talk a little bit about some practical ways we can do it. Acts chapter one, verse eight. This is Jesus speaking to his disciples before he ascends into heaven. He says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all of Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. So what's Jesus saying? He's saying, I want you to encounter me in such a personal way that you can't help but take it public. I'm in love, I'm in love and I don't care who knows it. Anytime we fall in love with people, we can't help but talk about it. We drive people crazy, right? That's the idea, we, that it would just come out of every, every pore, that it would come out of every practice in our life, every habit, everything that we say and do. And you can't be a witness if you're not willing to take the stand and to testify, right? If we're gonna be a witness for Jesus, we have to be willing not just to see it, but to say it. And so that's what I wanna talk to you about. And that's the first point. My faith is personal, but it's not private. Here's the second one. This is gonna sound really obvious, but I think it's gonna help you. I can't show Jesus until I know Jesus. I can't show Jesus until I know Jesus. So let me ask you probably the most important question anybody will ever ask you. Do you know Jesus? It's a really important question. Now, I'm not asking, do you know about Jesus? I'm not asking, have you been baptized? Have you been confirmed? Do you belong to a church? Do you attend a church regularly? I'm asking, do you know Jesus in a personal way? All right, now let me, let me drill a little bit deeper. An even more important question for our conversation today. Do you know Jesus well enough to introduce him to somebody else? Do you know Jesus well enough to introduce him to somebody else? Uh, you know, as a pastor and as somebody that's just grown up in church, one of the things that I can promise you is I just love people. I love getting to know people. I love hanging out with people. People are kind of like oxygen for me. Um, I enjoy it. I start to feel depraved. I start to feel like low energy when I'm not around people. And I love people of all different shapes, sizes, personalities. I just like to get to know people. And when you have a big church with multiple campuses and multiple services, you meet a lot of people, you learn a lot of names, and you forget a lot of names. And so I have a few tricks up my sleep to help me remember names, but one of the most terrifying things that can happen to a pastor, or any of us for that matter, see if you can relate to this, have you ever been in a conversation with somebody that you know really well, 
And you can almost see it happening and developing in slow motion in real time. Like you see someone that you don't know really well, like an acquaintance maybe that you've talked to a few times, and you start to have this realization that you are the only person that connect, can connect the two of them. You are gonna have to introduce this person to your friend. Now, let me give you a pro tip. If you wanna be a good friend, this is what a good friend does in that situation. What should they do? They should say, uh, can you introduce me? Uh, hi, I'm Joe, I'm Joe. Uh, Nice to meet you. And that way you don't have to do anything, right? But a horrible friend, someone who will live in a trailer in heaven someday, what do they do? They say, aren't you gonna introduce me to your friend? And uh, you have to get really good at saying, hey man, hey bro, you know, hey brother. There's no, there's no escaping that, right? Why? Because you can't introduce someone to someone you don't know. And this is the idea with Jesus, that we would know him so well that we would be able to introduce him to other people. In 2 Peter 1.16, it says, for we did not follow cleverly devised stories when we told you about the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ in power. We were eyewitnesses of his majesty. What are they saying? I was there with Jesus. I know him personally, and I can't help but tell people publicly. I know Jesus well enough to introduce him to other people. So that's the question I want to bug you for just the next couple of minutes. Do you know Jesus? Not do you know about him? Not do you go to church? Do you know Jesus in a personal way? And I wanna give you an opportunity. I wanna introduce you to Jesus by the end of this message. Here's point number three. I can reach through relationships. I can reach through relationships. This is why one of the foundational core values of Believer's Church is that we build bridges not barriers. And relationships should be the primary way that we reach people. Some of us are evangelists, and we all know that one person that could strike up a conversation with anybody, and five minutes later, they're weeping, and they're giving their life to Jesus. But for the rest of us mere mortals that, that don't have the gift of evangelism, here's what I'm gonna tell you is the primary way you're gonna lead people to Jesus. It's through building a bridge and reaching people through relationships. Even Jesus did that. When you look at the 40 different documented times where Jesus encountered people in his ministry, 34 of the 40 times started through pre-existing relationships. So in other words, a person would bring Jesus to one of their friends or they would bring one of their friends to Jesus. They build a bridge. Now, bridges, let's just get real basic here. What does a bridge do? A bridge helps us get from one point to the other, crosses a gap, gets you over an obstacle. So at BC, we're constantly looking for ways that we can build bridges to people who are far from God. I'll give you a great example of this. Last night, we did Treat Trunk. And real quick, just because I'm so proud of our teams at each campus, um, it was amazing. In war I got to see Warren right after I preached last night, and I drove to Boardman. Tons of people, tons of candy, tons of sugared-up kids, but most of all, an amazing team. Can we just give it up at both campuses for how awesome our kids' teams are? You guys are incredible. No, but we wanna build bridges to people. So maybe an obstacle we're trying to help people to get across is doubt. One of the main reasons that young people cited that they left the church was because they weren't given a safe place to process their doubts, to bring their questions. And I just, I pray that you would always know this at Believer's Church. You don't have to have everything figured out to come and belong here. You can just come with all of your questions and all of your doubts because I believe God is big enough to deal with your doubts and God loves you through your doubts. And we might not have all the answers on this side of eternity, but you can belong here before you believe just the way we do. 
And so we want to build bridges to people. This is what Paul talked about so often in his ministry. This is 1 Corinthians 9, uh, verse 19 through 23. And he's talking about this very subject. He says, I entered their world. What's he saying? I built a bridge. I entered their world and I tried to experience things from their point of view. What's that? It's empathy. If there is anything our world could use some more of right now, it's empathy. Anybody with me on that? Man, how many times do we shut down the gospel and people don't even hear the gospel because they can't get past our presentation? Because you can win an argument and you can lose a relationship all in the same conversation. And so often, Jesus, he wouldn't so much appeal to the head, he would speak to the heart. Because we can try to make somebody do something through religious requirements and impose our will on them, or we can move their heart to wanna do it. And this is why the Bible says it's God's kindness that leads people to repentance. It's not picket lines, it's not protests, it's not harshly worded comments or posts on Facebook. It's kindness that leads people to repentance. God creates a desire in us to work and do his good will. It's something that the Holy Spirit does, and we want to give him something to work with. And how often do we sacrifice reaching people because we want to be right? I want to just ask you a question. This will help you to take an inventory of your life. And I want to preface it by saying I believe in voting. I believe in exercising our rights as Americans. I believe in expressing our opinions. Those are all good things. But if I were to look at your life and look at your post, would there be more evidence of your political affiliation than there is with you belonging to the kingdom of Jesus Christ? So we want to, yeah, we can give it up. And I'm not talking to the red or the blue team. I'm not talking to donkeys or elephants right now. I'm talking to the church of Jesus Christ. 1 Corinthians 9.22, I have become all things, this is Paul still speaking, to all people. Why? So that by all possible means, I might save some. And I do all this for the sake of the gospel, that I may share in its blessings. So here's the question. Is my life building a bridge or is it building a barrier? Is my life helping people see Jesus or not see Jesus? Because how we share hope matters. And so often the biggest barrier for people meeting Jesus could actually be my behavior, which is a really sobering thought. One of my favorite quotes comes from Carl Rayner, and it says this, the number one cause of atheism is Christians. Those who proclaim him with their mouths and deny him with their actions is what an unbelieving world finds unbelievable. So here's the question, does my life line up with what I preach? Let me tell you this, a disciple, and I'm just assuming that the majority of us have purpose, I wanna follow Jesus. I won't be perfect, but I wanna be a disciple of Jesus Christ. Here's what a disciple has decided. It's decided that my life is no longer lived just for me. My life is lived for others. Discipleship is daily taking up your cross and it's crucifying your will and your opinions all of that stuff to the cross, it's nailing it there and it's saying, God, I live my life for other people. And Paul was a master at this. Listen to what else he has to say. Whether you eat or you drink, now Paul's just getting up in our homes a little bit, getting up in our business. He's saying, whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. You mean what I eat and what I drink could possibly bring glory to God or not bring glory to God? According to the Bible, yeah. Everything in our life has the ability and the potential to build bridges or to build 
barrier. So which one is it creating? Verse 32, this is really important. Do not cause anyone to stumble. What's he saying? Don't put barriers up with your life, whether with Jews, which would be religious people who don't know Jesus or or Greeks, which in those days would have been people that weren't a part of the church, or even in the church of God, even as I try to please everyone in every way, for I'm not seeking my own good, but the good of many. Why? Again, so that many would be saved. Paul's just decided that I wanna leverage every part of my life to build bridges between people and God so they can see Jesus more clearly. So I like that it says, hey, Whoever I'm talking to, so he knows, hey, sometimes I'm gonna be reaching people that are far from God. Treat Trunk is a great example of this. We try as a church just to be intentional and give you moments where people that wouldn't ordinarily come to church, they might come to Treat Trunk. And I saw that happening in the masses and people are checking in all over town and Boardman and Warren and maybe they came for the candy. Maybe they'll stay for a relationship with Jesus. I watch it happen all the time. How about where he says, I wanna reach Jewish people or religious people in those days that didn't know Jesus. This is why we're gonna do BC traditional. And we've kind of pressed pause for a moment until COVID is a little bit more under control, but I'm really excited about this because this is a bridge we are building to religious people, people that have more of a traditional background. This is a little bit much for them, but they still need the message and they'd be hungry to hear it if we could deliver it in a way that speaks to them. We become all things to all people so that we might win some. All right, so we'll end this section. I just wanna get real. Let's get personal. This is why you love me, right? So, so let's just talk about this for a second. I can, I can build a bridge or a barrier with my tip at the restaurant, right? Oh man, but the service was bad and man, they didn't, they didn't look me in the eyes or it took them 30 minutes to get me my food. Listen, even if all of that happened, I can, I can build a bridge or a barrier through my tip. And please, for the love of all that is good and holy, please do not say Jesus loves you and then leave a lousy tip. You will for sure be in a trailer in heaven for that. You know what? I have built more bridges through tips than anything else. And I've watched God soften people's hearts. And sometimes they're just having a rough day and you don't know what someone else did to them a couple tables before you. And it's just being the light in a place where they're looking for it. It's being hope in a place where they might not have any. I can build a bridge or a barrier based on what I do on the job. It's a barrier when I say I love Jesus and I believe in Jesus and I plaster it all over Facebook, but then I can't treat my coworker right. And I gossip about the boss every time he's out of the office. You know what else is a barrier? Looking at Facebook while I'm supposed to be working. Here's a hot take. You shouldn't even be reading the Bible when you're on the clock, right? Like read the Bible first and get filled up with Jesus and then go do your job with everything you got. Work diligently as unto the Lord. What if my boss is horrible? Great, work for Jesus. He's your CEO. And let your good works shine before men, and then they will glorify your Father in heaven. Build a bridge. Students, when I'm at school, even if everybody else is cheating, me just deciding, no, no, I'm I'm gonna be the example. Not because I'm a goody two-shoes, but because I wanna build a bridge with my life. I don't want anybody to stumble. Man, when I'm, when I'm at my house and I know I got a lot of students and kids that are over my house and I, I just know God's been dealing with me. My drinking's out of control. Whether you eat or you drink, whatever you do, and God's saying, I want you to give that up. Not, not because it's even wrong, but just because it might be, it, it might be permissible, but it's not beneficial. It's, it's not benefiting the people around me. 
and I have no clue who my life is impacting. I have no clue who's struggling with alcohol addiction. I have no clue who I might be setting on a course to deal with that in their life. I don't even know why I just said that. It must have been for somebody. Okay. 1 Corinthians 9, I didn't take on their way of life. I kept my bearings in Christ. So what's he saying? I don't have to look like the world to reach the world. This is the last point. It's very important. A bridge works best when it's connected on both sides. Can we agree with that? And so sometimes in our walk with God, we work so hard to be relatable and relevant and connect with the world. But if we're not connected with Jesus, it's a bridge leading to nowhere. And so we want to make sure that when we're connecting with the world, the ultimate goal is to connect them back to Jesus. But let me pick on Christians for a second. Some of us are so heavenly minded that we're no earthly good. And we got our Christian bumper stickers and we listen to our Christian radio station and we eat our Christian chicken at Chick-fil-A. We're connected to God, but we don't have any connection with the world that we're called to reach. I like Chick-fil-A too, number one, with the lemonade. Okay. Bridges work best when they're connected on both sides. All right, I gotta go, I gotta go. Number four, I can witness from my weakness. I can witness from my weakness. So often, I think we are waiting on getting our weaknesses figured out before we even attempt to share our faith. But God, he calls us to actually incorporate our weakness into our story to share our faith. He says, quit waiting on your weakness to disappear. And Paul knows this better than anyone, 1 Timothy 1.15 Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, and I'm the biggest sinner of all. He wasn't trying to hide it. He wasn't trying to say, I'm sanctified now. He just said, I'm the biggest sinner of all. That's, that's who I was. 2 Corinthians 12, 9. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses. Why? So that Christ's power may rest on me. Because God can't bless who we pretend to be. God can only bless who we are. And God's power rests on a life of someone who is open and sharing their weakness with the world. Let me encourage you here. If you, if you witness from your weakness, you'll never run out of material. You'll always have something to encourage somebody with. This is why we love Pastor Joe. Come on. There is never a week that goes by where Pastor Joe is not telling on himself, sharing an embarrassing story. And it's not always from like 30 years ago. Sometimes it's from like three weeks ago but I'm thankful that we have a pastor that's real and honest. Because in our weakness, he's strong. His strength is revealed. A couple years ago, my wife got to preach and it was like her first time preaching and she hates preaching. It's not her favorite thing. Every time she does it, she does so great. But it was on Mother's Day weekend and if you've been here a little while, you might remember it. But God really dealt with her to share some of the, the tougher parts of her story, share some of her scars. And the message was called Scarred for Life. And I remember her just being kind of terrified to do it, but feeling very convicted by God that you need to share some of the wounds from your past, some of the scars, some of your weaknesses. And she witnessed from her weakness on that Mother Day, Mother's Day weekend, and it was incredible. I just remember, I, I, I never forget sitting in the service that day, and I don't know if I've ever tangibly experienced God move in a room like he did during the altar call that day. I don't even remember what the total for the whole weekend was, but in one service here at BC Warren, 39 people responded and said, I wanna follow Jesus because she shared her weakness. She witnessed from her weakness. 
I remember that day, I had just preached the week before and this big burly biker guy, not the person you would think a Mother's Day message would like necessarily speak to. He came up to Aaron and he's like, hey, I just wanna let you know, that was the best message I've ever heard. And I was like, bro, I preached last week. No, I'm just kidding, I'm just kidding. It's messed up. But he was right, it was really good. No, but, but God can bridge the gap even with people you don't look like and sound like and talk like just, just by you sharing your weakness with other people. Witness from your weakness and you'll never run out of material. Here's the fifth and final one. Availability is the best ability. Available ability availability is the best ability. God doesn't use perfect people. He just uses available people. He doesn't use perfect people. He uses available people. 1 Peter 3.15, if someone asks about your Christian hope, always be ready to explain it. What's it saying? Be available. I've just purposed in my life, no matter what the opportunity is, awkward or not, difficult or not, whether I know them or not, I'm just gonna be available. And can I just burst the bubble? Just know that it's probably not gonna look the way you thought it would look probably not going to happen the way you thought it would happen. It almost never does for me. I'll never forget probably one of the most memorable times that I shared my faith with somebody happened about 15 years ago. I was leading our young adult ministry at the time. It was called Catalyst. And we just were going on a trip to Cedar Point. And so we had a bunch of young adults in the car. I had all guys and to the best of my knowledge, all of the guys in my vehicle I was driving, they all knew Jesus. And so I spent a lot of the day with them. And there was this one guy though in my car, his name was Dave. And I just wasn't convinced that he had a personal relationship with Jesus. And so I had this idea. I'm like, I got a two hour drive on my hands at the end of this day. I have a captive audience. I'm gonna tell, G I'm gonna tell David about Jesus. And so I cranked on some Hillsong mood music. And I don't know what it was, shout to the Lord in 2004, I don't know. Shout to the Lord. Okay, anyways, let's bring it back. Okay. But I cranked it up, and I just, I ripped into the best altar call you've ever heard. I took him down the Romans Road. I had a cheering section because there were guys in the car. It was just going amazing. And I'm just talking to the road because he's in the back seat. I can't see his face. And towards the end of my altar call, it started to get a little quieter, and I was like, this is, you know, maybe, I, I thought maybe he was crying or something. You know, you just, your minds are going, God must really be working on this guy. And, and so finally, I get ready to pray the prayer, and I hear, I hear my friend Ryan in the back. I love Ryan. Ryan goes, hey, Pastor Joe, um, I didn't want to interrupt you, and you were just doing so great, but Dave's been sleeping for five minutes. <laughs> so I hit the brakes and woke Dave up. No, I'm just kidding. I drove into the other lane. If you don't accept Jesus, you're gonna meet him now. Uh, kidding. Doesn't always work the way you plan, and that's okay. Just be available. Just be available. You'd be surprised how God can use you. All right, I wanna end with this, this final story. There, there was this tribe. Uh, they're, they're the Tally people. You're gonna see a, a picture come up. Excuse me, the Yali people. And... Just recently, actually in the month of October, a missions organization was able to deliver 2,500 Bibles to them, which is incredible. They translated them into their language. That's kind of a newer thing. And God is really moving and the message of Jesus is spreading. They're experiencing hope. But that's, that's not where their story started. 52 years ago is where it started. There were these two missionaries that 
felt the call of God. They, they felt like God saying, I want you to just be available and go and preach to this unreached people group called the Yali people. And so they went there and they knew it was gonna be dangerous. This tribe was actually notorious for being a violent tribe. They were actually cannibalistic at this point. Can you imagine that? And they hear God calling them to go. And so they go and they preach the gospel and the Yali people did not like it and they killed them. And so then there's a family that's sent on a search party. They're called the Newman family and their plane crashes. Their son is the only survivor. And the Yali people discovered the plane crash. And for some reason, they decided to take the son in and raise him. They spared him. And so over time, more missionaries started coming as search parties. And every time they would become a little bit more softened, a little bit more open to the gospel until eventually the first person gave their life to Jesus and it began to spread throughout the village. And today we're watching God do incredible things in this tribe that once wanted nothing to do with Jesus. And it's all because these two missionaries were available. They weren't perfect. They didn't have it all together. They planted a seed and it was an incorruptible seed and God did the rest. And I don't think God's asking most of us to move to a mission field. I think he's asking most of us to just move across the office, to just move to our phone and use our, our thumbs and, and just type out a message of hope to somebody, to just maybe move across the aisle at the grocery store and even with your mask on, just share hope through a smile, share hope through a conversation, just be available. And I'm thankful that in 1979, there was this guy named Lou and he was available. He wasn't perfect. He wasn't, he wasn't like a pastor or anything. He was just available. He just walked into this place called the Steel Valley Barbell Club on Market Street in Boardman. And he witnessed to this guy named Joe and he told him about Jesus. He knew hope and he showed it to these young guys at the gym. And then years later, I'm thankful that a young couple named Joe and Gina were just available and said, we're gonna come back to Joe's hometown and we're gonna start a church. And I don't know if anybody's gonna come and I don't know if we can make a difference, but we're sure gonna try. And I'm thankful that so many people were available to show the life and the love of Jesus to me. And here's my question to you. Are you ready to be available and now be sent and show life to others? At every campus, listen, I want you to hear this. The Bible says, that the harvest is great, it's plentiful, but the workers are few. And then it says, pray that the Lord of the harvest would send laborers, send workers, we're sent ones. And I think this is one of the prayers in the Bible where we're meant to be the answer to our own prayer. And at BC, we don't just wanna be known for our seating capacity, we wanna be known for our sending capacity. We wanna be a church that is sending people into our cities, our region, and our world. And so if you wanna participate in that and just say, I'm available to God, I'm gonna just invite everyone at every campus, online, wherever you're watching from, bow your head, close your eyes, let's have a moment with God. And I asked you earlier in this message, do you know Jesus? And so I'm gonna break it into two categories. One, if maybe you know Jesus, but you've been distant from him. Maybe you're the sheep that's lost and you've been trying to run away from him. And today, you just need to hear that God has never stopped pursuing you. God has never stopped seeking after you. He loves lost people. He loves you, and he hasn't given up on you. And today, it's just time to come back. Maybe for some of you, 
God brought you to this moment in this message so you could hear there is a hope in a future and it's in Jesus. And we live in a world that will try to tell you, you have to do things to get to God. You have to do things to earn his approval and that's religion. But a relationship with God is realizing that God did something to get to you. He gave you his son, Jesus. It was a free gift of salvation. When we couldn't help ourselves, Jesus rescued us. And so I just wanna invite you to do what Jesus invites anyone to do, to come and follow him. Does it mean you're gonna be perfect or have it all together? No way. But it means every day you're gonna take a step in your relationship with him. The Bible says, and this is really what Jesus said about himself, I am the way and the truth and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. And if you believe in your heart and you say with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, you'll be saved. Last night I got to lead people in this very room and praying that prayer and I watched hands go up and it was the most amazing thing. The Bible says literally heaven throws a party. So if that's you, I wanna lead you first if you say I'm coming back to Jesus Church at every location. Can you repeat this after me? Say it together. Say, dear God, I'm coming back to you. I'm sorry I ran away, but I'm running back to you. Thank you that you never stopped chasing after me. You never gave up on me. You always loved me and looked for me, even at my lowest point. And I will not be perfect, but today I'm coming back to your house, to your arms. I'm all yours. I'm all in. I belong to Jesus. Now heads are still bowed, eyes are still closed. If you wanna pray that prayer and you can't remember a moment in your life, not where you belong to a church, where you were baptized, where you were confirmed or dedicated, I'm just talking to you and I'm asking, do you know Jesus? And if you can't remember a moment where you said, I make you the Lord of my life, you're calling the shots. Jesus, take the wheel, whatever you wanna call it, now's your moment. Can you repeat this after me, church, at every location? Say, dear God, thank you for Jesus. Thank you for his sacrifice. Thank you that at my very worst, he gave me his very best. I received the free gift of salvation. And I won't be perfect, but I will be a follower of Jesus the rest of my life. I am a Christian. In his name we pray, amen. Hope you enjoyed today's podcast. There are a couple things I'd love for you to do. Be sure to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. That helps us spread the word and impact more people. You can also help us see others connected to God by investing today at believers.cc give. And if you want updates on all things Believers Church, check out believers.cc or follow us at A City Connected on Twitter and Instagram or search Believers The Connecting Place on Facebook. The best way to connect with BC is live and in person at one of our weekend worship experiences. We have locations in Boardman and Warren, and you can get the service times and plan your visit at believers.cc. Thanks for tuning in to the BC Podcast.